0: School of Education with 100% online master's or specialist degrees in fields like teaching, leadership, higher education, and more. More information at rebelteacher.com.
1: Good morning. It's 830 on Tuesday, August 14th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the capital city's troubled zoo is under new management, and the mayor says he's not interested in relocating it.
0: Our model for success should not be the abandonment of communities, right? In terms of the blight elimination, we are working with uh, Mississippi Home Corp so that we can deal with uh, concentrated blight elimination.
1: Then a conversation from the Mississippi Story Corps in in Mississippi and find out how the state's first rural charter school is faring and what more can be in store for the Delta. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Upheaval continues and what has been one of the capital city's major draws. The Jackson Zoo is under new management, says Mayor Shokwe Lumumba. Dave Wetzel is now interim director following the resignation of Beth Poff. Mayor Lumumba says the city will work to keep the zoo open during the transition to new leadership.
0: I would like to first uh, acknowledge and thank Ms. Beth Poff for her service in the time that she uh, served as the executive director of the zoo. And at this time, we are eager to bring on the new management uh, so that we can push the Jackson Zoo in a new, positive, and uh, an area of growth. It was first brought to my attention uh, by the director of the Department of Finance and Administration uh, for the state of Mississippi that there had been funds mismanaged by uh, the executive director of the zoo. At that time, we had the opportunity to sit and discuss what the implications of that mismanagement was and talk about a forward direction. At this time, we will be working with the Jackson Zoo Board as we are pushing forward to the new management and uh, the excitement of our zoo growing and developing and becoming the attraction that benefits the city in every regard. We are on a very short timeline in which an RFP will be released. Uh, it is going through a legal review. It is our expectation that it will be released this week. And there have been a number of entities who have already expressed interest in the RFP.
1: Mayor Lamumba says the state can play a larger role in funding the zoo. He tells MPB's Ashley Norwood the zoo has long been a draw for the state.
0: They will be dependent on the city for part of its funding. Uh, It's an equation. The city does not provide 100% of the funding. Uh, There are private donors. Uh, There is a a, uh, request and an obligation, I believe, on behalf of the state of Mississippi uh, to support the Jackson Zoo. Uh, When we talk about the management of the zoo that has been surrendered, uh, I believe that that is another factor to be considered in what has been the request of the state to date. And what kind of legislation have we we pushed in order to support the zoo? All of those things are critical to the development, the success, not only of the Jackson Zoo, but the area uh, surrounding the Jackson Zoo.
2: Um, Can I ask you just historically what has been the impact of the zoo on the state of Mississippi, whether it's tourism or attraction? Um, Kind of speak to the statewide Mm -hmm. interest.
0: Well, historically, uh, the Jackson Zoo was known uh, as one of the best zoos in the nation. Uh, and today there are some unique components as uh, to what the Jackson Zoo offers that you just cannot rebuild. Uh, We talked in a previous press conference about Jack Hanna, uh, who is uh, well known for uh, being one of the foremost authorities on on, uh, animals and and, uh, the success of zoos, and so he spoke about the unique components of the natural-built environment that the Jackson Zoo offers, something that you can't replicate. And so uh, that is something that I believe we should highlight. Uh, that's what we need to discuss with whoever manages the zoo, is how do we uh, better emphasize the unique offerings that the Jackson Zoo provides.
1: Mayor Lamumba says the city doesn't plan to relocate the zoo, but to improve both the zoo and the surrounding area.
0: We recognize that this is an issue of heavy debate. We also recognize that people on any sides of the coin, whether you are a proponent of it staying in its location or a proponent of it moving, I believe that all of those individuals are sincere in their deliberation. And sincere people can have sincere disagreement, and and it is our responsibility that as we arrive at the best answers, that we do our due diligence, that we make certain that we have all information uh, at hand before we make decisions. And so as it pertains to the zoo, not only uh, is the conversation of its location uh, to be considered, we must also consider the history of its management. We must consider uh, the issue of of how it is being marketed. We must consider the issue of uh, what the collection offers at this time and determine how those factors uh, uh, play into the overall equation so that we can look from a totality of all of the surrounding circumstances to reach the very best decision. Uh, And then that also leads to the overall concept and idea of how we make Jackson grow and develop. We want to see a Jackson that is thriving on all ends. We don't want to see an island of wealth surrounded by a sea of poverty. And so as we see a downtown that is developing day by day, uh, as we see some areas that have traditionally had a greater amount of development take place in recent years, we have to make certain that we do not leave in the wake of all that development areas that have been forgotten and left by the wayside. And so West Jackson is a part of Jackson. South Jackson is a part of Jackson. North and and every other area in this city is a part of a city that we all want to see rise together.
2: So are you saying that moving the zoo is completely off the table? And if so, what is the city's plan to reduce blight in that area? I know you spoke yeah. about strategy, but is there a specific idea? So,
0: so we have been, uh, for this administration, I've been clear that we stand uh, for the proposition that the zoo should stay in West Jackson uh, and that our, our model for success should not be the abandonment of, of communities, right? Uh, and so that is where this administration stands. In terms of the blight elimination, we are working with uh, Mississippi Home Corp, uh, where we have a series of, of efforts along with a blight partners that, that this particular um, grant requires that the city enter uh, agreements with so that we can deal with uh, concentrated blight elimination and make certain that we're being intentional in how we turn our blight elimination into a, a beneficial e- effort to give more support to our assets in the city and the zoo would be one of those assets along with our schools uh along with a number of other uh investments that have been made over time
1: jackson mayor shokwe lumumba and mpb's ashley norwood coming up find out how the state's first rural charter school is faring and what more can be done uh, for the delta that's after a conversation in story this is mississippi edition on mpb think radio How to pop the question must be one of the most fraught dilemmas in anyone's life. In this Mississippi stop on the StoryCorps mobile tour, Barrett Hathcock recounts how he proposed to his wife, Katie, and he shares some sage advice for other young couples.
3: I lived in Tuscaloosa for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. You lived in Birmingham. I had this very particular schedule where I would spend a weekend with you in Birmingham and then go back over to Tuscaloosa. This is... Exactly an hour away from door to door. And I would drive over back to my Tuscaloosa life on Monday, spend Monday night there, drive back over Tuesday night, spend Tuesday night with you, drive back over on Wednesday and and then bounce back and forth and then end up back in Birmingham for the weekend.
4: I'd forgotten that. It was a lot of driving. It was a lot of driving. So then we got married. I'm not
3: good at surprises or or planning or structure or (laughs) surprises. I had gone back here to Mississippi to get the ring, the ring, because we were going to buy it from a guy named Dale Ferber, who owned Ferber Jewelry, who my parents were friends with. He was a really great guy. And we'd picked something out. And I came over to kill the ring and bring it back. And she knew I was coming over to kill the ring. But there wasn't like a necessarily a discussion of when the proposal was going to happen. If I had been more like, I don't know anything. Like I could have come up with something, but basically, I gave it to her like, like that afternoon.
4: I had been babysitting. You know, yeah, I had been babysitting because at that time I was working but not making any money, and I would babysit a lot after work and on the weekends. And so I'd been babysitting, and I came home, and you basically met me in the hallway,
3: right. You right.
4: couldn't, you were so excited, you couldn't let me get in the door of my apartment.
3: Um, you know, I mean, those people who, like, rent balloons and, like, tigers and, like...
4: There was like, no dinner. Sick, there was remember, no, like, planning. Like,
3: I went to Chicago one time, and Wes and I were at a museum, and there was somebody who, like, got people to stage it, like, a, where they all held up letters and crap. I'm just too much of a spaz for that, and I can't effectuate some sort of large romantic conspiracy. I just, I can't do it. I'm sorry.
4: It worked. Yeah. It was fine. I know,
3: but everybody's like, "Oh, Joel," you know, like, "Well, he was a goober," and I said, "Yes."
4: You are kind of a goober, right? But I really, I really love that about you. (laughs) It's a good thing. (laughs) I think you may have even handed me the ring because it was in a butter tub. Like you guys had, was it? You and your parents had come up with some way to try and keep the ring safe on your drive back.
3: What do we think I was going through, like a?
4: I don't know, but I think you guys were worried about the safety of the ring. I'd like, like
3: to blame my mother for that.
4: <laughs> for the three-hour... Like no, it was four hours. So for like the, the four-hour four hour drive.
3: drive I, it was in a butter tub.
4: It, and I remember it was a yellow...
3: Oh, God. You can't, we put one you,
4: of, you won't believe it's not butter, yeah, whatever that's called. It's a
3: fake butter tub, so it's in like a margarine tub.
4: <laughs> well, I mean, that's what kind of butter your mom buys. Fake butter. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> So you, I think you even handed it to me in the butter really? tub. Really? I couldn't even... No. It wasn't. But you did get down on one knee.
3: I did. <laughs> in the hallway. It was sweet. Yeah. <laughs>
4: hey, man. Worked.
3: I know. I know. But then began the engagement.
4: The engagement. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm i not a big wedding person. Yeah. I, I didn't want, like... I hadn't been planning it my whole life. I didn't want a whole shebang, so we got married in St. Augustine, and it was great. It yeah. was outside. It was beautiful. And <laughs> advice
3: the- for some uh, for the youngsters when we're dead: um, Yeah, keep your engagement short, okay? Yeah. Because the longer it is, the worse it gets, especially if you're in the south. Wedding craze. And two, the most painful thing that you'll ever undergo is settling on a guest list. <laughs> Everything else pales.
1: To hear more of our conversations from the StoryCorps Mobile Tour, go to mpbonline.org. The StoryCorps Mobile Tour visited Mississippi through a partnership with the Mississippi Humanities Council, the MPB Foundation, and Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi's first rural charter school is almost a month into its first school year. Yet supporters are still trying to convince the public that charter schools are the model for success, particularly in the Delta. Clarksdale Collegiate Public Charter School opened in July. Now, as more schools look to open in the Delta, the school is a point of reference for some. Critics say schools like Clarksdale Collegiate take students and money from already struggling schools. Amanda Johnson is Executive Director of Clarksdale Collegiate Public Charter School. She tells MPB's Alexandra Watts the school has high hopes for scholars in the area.
5: We are the first rural charter school um, to be authorized in the state of Mississippi. Um, So we're located here in Clarksdale, uh, which is within Cahoma County. Um, And we have students from all over Clarksdale, Cahoma County, and some of the surrounding areas.
6: And when did the school start?
5: Our first day of school was July 25th, and so we've been in school for about a week and a half now.
6: So how was it getting this started? Why did you pick Clark Steel? What were some of the challenges?
5: so I picked Clarksdale because I live in Clarksdale and Clarksdale is my home. Uh, and so I have, um, about 13, 14 years of experience in charters. Um, but most of that experience or all of that experience has been across the state, um, in the Arkansas Delta. And so, um, I was living in Clarksdale, but working in, um, on the other side of the river and really wanted to see this type of school come to fruition in, um, in the Mississippi Delta. And so, um, and, and also I have a family here. I have two girls. Uh, my oldest is, uh, one of our, our founding second grade scholars and so i was interested in having a school like this um for for them
6: and what's different from charter schools when you're comparing them to public schools
5: Um, so charter schools are public schools that operate separate from the local district Um, and so we are um, similar in that we are um, we receive public funding and we are uh, open enrollment Um, so those are ways that we're similar Um, we do have a little more um, autonomy um, in order to um operate uh, but we also have higher accountability and so the charter that we have right now is a five-year charter um, we have to go and get it renewed at the end of the five years um, so we do have to demonstrate and show that we're getting results um, with our scholars um, and so it, it is a little bit more autonomy um, but a higher accountability than traditional public schools.
6: Going around the school you see all of the banners of colleges and all of the classrooms have a college theme can you kind of talk about that?
5: We believe that all of our scholars can achieve at high levels, and we want to make sure that we are preparing um, each and every one uh, for college graduation. Um, And so part of that is making sure that we have a college uh, culture, a college-going culture here, and just that it's in the atmosphere, and it's in the part of our culture. And so we want to make sure that scholars know that college is absolutely an option for them and that we are working hard every day to make sure sure that they are um, college-ready. And so what that means is being on or above grade level, for whatever their grade-level expectations are. And so we want to make sure they are achieving um, their grade-level expectations each year um, so that they can be college-ready. And so we do quite a few things in order to make sure that we are uh, making it a part of the culture here. Um, So, for example, all of our classrooms, our homeroom classrooms, are named after colleges. Um, And so we we call our scholars, so we have a a Braves, uh, we have the Alcorn Braves, uh, and I talk to them, I call them Braves every single day, and and we have um, NYU Bobcats that we um, I literally call them them NYU, and that's how we address that, that particular class. Um, so each class is named after a different college. Um, we also have um, Bank Day Fridays. So all of our scholars have a college savings account um, set up, um, or we're in the process for setting them all up for, for scholars. And so they can bring uh, any amount they want to on Fridays in order to make a deposit into their college savings account. Um, and so Fridays are Bank Day, um, and so they come in. Um, some kids bring in $0.50, a dollar, $2, $5, any amount. They can make that deposit on Friday. Fridays. Um, And it's just part of making sure that our kids have what they need academically. Um, We talk about the character traits that will help them be successful socially. And we also want to make sure that they are thinking about how to be financially prepared as well.
6: So this is the first um, charter school in a rural area. What were some of the reputations of charter schools, or how much do people know about them before this school was founded?
5: So it was a mix. Uh, some people had some experience with charter schools, either from being in different um, in different cities, um, and some didn't uh, have any experience or know what what charter schools were. So I would say it was def- definitely a mix uh, group of individuals who I spoke to. So some people were, you know, just spending time defining charters, um, and then also some spending. Some time um, uh, talking about some of the misconceptions around charters, um, and so it's just really a variety. And I think I think one big thing is that yes, charter schools. Um, Charter schools are one thing, but every single charter school is different. Um, And so I think that just being clear about defining what Clarksdale Collegiate is and making sure people understand what the vision for Clarksdale Collegiate is, even if they've had experience at another charter school, um, wherever that might have been, just understanding that Clarksdale Collegiate is different um, and we are a standalone school. And so coming here and learning about our school and speaking to our families and speaking to our scholars is really important to understand um, what we are all about and what we are trying to accomplish here.
6: And did you ever get any push-up back from anybody in the community saying that charter schools take away from the public schools and that they're being
5: exclusive? How did you deal with things like that? So we did receive um, some pushback. And we, I mean, essentially, when, when people tell me that it's taken away from public schools, I am quick to define um, the charter school as a public school. Um, and so we are a public school, and, um, and I, I also wanted to make sure people understand that piece. Um, and so also I think part of it is just... Um, you know, we are a school of choice. And so um, I think it's making sure that people have the information so they can make the best decision for um, for their family and for their child. Um, and so that's really what I want to make happen. Um, and so making sure that everybody knows that Clarksdale Collegiate is an option for their, schol- for their child um, and having the right information so they can make the best choice for them. That's really all that I do. Um, and it's hard, too, because we, we just opened. And so it was a lot of me and, um, and some of the early team members trying to explain um, but it's so much easier now that we actually have the building we're actually here, we have the scholars in session and so uh, potential families can come and see and, and just look around um, and just see what we're all about and, and, and make a decision for themselves now and so we, we want to definitely invite uh, community members and potential families, potential teachers um, to come and visit the school um, and just see for themselves what the school is about
1: Clarksdale Charter School Director Amanda Johnson with MPB's Alexandra Watts. Latasha Capers is a kindergarten teacher at Clarksdale's Collegiate, Clarksdale Collegiate. She tells our Alexandra Watts the school's mission piqued her interest.
2: This is my fourth year here in Mississippi, my fourth school year teaching in Mississippi. And prior to that, um, I taught pre-K and kindergarten in New York. And I was also the director of Early Childhood Education Center for a few years.
6: And why did you decide to make the transition to this school into a charter school?
2: Honestly, it was the vision of the school that made me want to switch, um, just to see what we could really do in the Delta um, with the structure and the environment and the, the plan. So that was why I switched.
6: And what's one of your favorite things about coming to work each day? I've noticed that all of the teachers here are so engaged and there seems to be a lot of real relationships with students. But what's your favorite thing about coming in?
2: I love teaching, but I love my students, but it's a really good work environment. The kids are excited, the teachers are excited, it's really a team, um, and I think that's what makes it, you know, that's why you want to come to work every day, when you know you have the support of everybody, from teachers, from administration, um, even with the students and the family, so that's the most exciting part about coming every day, just the support all around.
6: And you teach kindergartners, so they're fairly young and probably don't have a lot of experience with delta education but what are some of the things that you're stressing to set like a strong educational foundation
2: um i mean it's still early in the school year but i think especially with this curriculum a lot of critical thinking um i definitely it i definitely want them to be able to think um to be able to problem solve and you know come up with solutions and strategies to to plan and to get the answer um I think it's a lot of encouragement but a lot of you can you can make a mistake and that's okay if you can explain how we got there because then we can we can get to the right answer if you can explain your thinking you know so really trying to get them to to talk and express themselves and to think through problems um I think that would be great if they could come out of kindergarten with that skill. Of course, the basic skills, but if they could come out of kindergarten, you know, with that, that ability to really critically think and problem solve, I think that's my biggest goal for them.
6: So one thing I've noticed um, is everyone's called a scholar. They're held to a very high expectation very young. And I was wondering how that um, has an impact on how they interact with each other and respect each other as well.
2: I think the biggest thing that I've seen, especially with my kids being younger, I mean, they all come in like, I'm a college graduate. Like, they have this already, this little persona, like there's this big goal, this thing to do. Um, and I think we just, I think we, as a as a team, we use it as a way to instill, like, certain things like self-control and, you know, things like that. And it carries throughout the day. It carries from, like you said, how they interact with each other, what they do with their work, what they do with the teachers, um, they definitely demonstrate this respect. It, it's kind of a way to build esteem, um, and I think it's already doing mm. that. You know, in week three or four, I think we're on week three or four, um, it's already building that a self-esteem within them, so they already carry themselves like little scholars. You know?
6: And one more thing about the college. I know at this young age you can put the idea of college, but they're still kind of young mm-hmm. to understand it. So what are some things that you do to ha- help them get the idea of college this young?
2: It's hard, I mean, I think right now it 's a lot of just conversation around it um, they kind of, they understand that it's it's like a big goal you know it's this this school where you like now. My kids, you're in kindergarten, so as a teacher, I kind of get to tell you what to do and what's next and what you need to learn. But then you get to this world where education becomes about what you want to do, what you can explore. So, I mean, we wear college shirts on Fridays, and each classroom has a college that they know. And Like, my class is NYU. Of course, I'm from New York. You know, so they've seen pictures of that. And so it's just exposing them to it, I think, at this age. It's exposing them to this this greater world than just the Delta.
1: Clarksdale Charter School teacher Latasha Capers. At a meeting tonight in Greenwood, the public will offer input on the next potential charter school hoping to locate in the Delta. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Money Talks. Then at 10, it's In Legal Terms. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking. If you missed part of the show today, find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition on MPB Think Radio.
0: Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education with 100% online master's or specialist degrees in fields like teaching, leadership, higher education, and more. More information at rebelteacher.com.